we will again be discussing fundamentals of the doctrine of Christ. But we're going to look at the fundamentals of the doctrine of Christ through the lens of Lehi's vision. Um, you know, one of, you know, two of the best chapters in the Book of Mormon about the doctrine of Christ, um, showing the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and second comforter are Second Nephi 31 and 32. And Second Nephi 31 and 32 are actually commentaries on Lehi's Tree of Life vision. So let's dive into Lehi's Tree of Life vision. In First Nephi chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass that we had gathered together all manner of seeds of every kind. and also the seeds of the fruit of every kind. And it came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, or, in other words, I have seen a vision. And behold, because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam, for I have reason to suppose that they and also many of their seed will be saved. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly, because of you, for behold, methought I saw in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness. And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe. And he came, and he stood before me. And it came to pass that he spake unto me and bade me follow him. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. Now, traditionally, we have always assigned that this man in a white robe is Christ. But as we go through Lehi's vision, I want you to ask yourself, who is the man in the white robe? And if it was Christ, as Lehi followed him, would he find himself in a dark and dreary wilderness? Verse 8, and after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And it came to pass that after I had prayed unto the Lord, behold, I beheld a large and spacious field. So clearly that the man that Lehi was following in a white robe was not Christ. For he was led into a dark and dreary waste. And Lehi spent many hours there before he finally began to pray to the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And, you know, I would cross-reference this with Helaman chapter 5. And in Helaman chapter 5, we have the account of Nephi and Lehi, the two great missionary brothers, um, being cast into jail. And the guards come and 
they're about to kill them. <coughs> when pillars of fire come down and surround Nephi and Lehi, and they are miraculously preserved, and the 300 who are at the prison are enshrouded in mists of darkness, and fear comes over them. So in Helaman chapter 5, starting in verse 22, And after they had been cast into prison many days without food, behold, they went forth into the prison to take them, that they might slay them. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi were encircled about as if it were by fire, insomuch that they durst not lay their hands upon them for fear lest they should be burned. Nevertheless, Nephi and Lehi were not burned. And they were standing in the midst of fire and were not burned. And when they saw that they were encircled about with a pillar of fire and that it burned them not, their hearts did take courage. For they saw the Lamanites durst not lay their hands upon them. Neither durst they come near unto them, but stood as if they were struck dumb with amazement. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did stand forth and began to speak unto them, saying, Fear not, behold, it is God that has shown unto you this marvelous thing, in which is shown unto you that ye cannot lay your hands on and slay us. And behold, they said, they had said these words, and the earth shook exceedingly, and the walls of the prison did shake as if it were about to tumble to the earth. But behold, they did not fall. And behold, they that were in the prison were Lamanite and Nephites who were dissenters. And it came to pass that they were overshadowed with a cloud of darkness. And an awful solemn fear came upon them. And it came to pass that there came a voice as if it were above the cloud of darkness, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, and seek no more to destroy my servants whom I have sent unto you to declare good tidings. And it came to pass that they heard the voice and beheld. It was not a voice of thunder. Neither was it a voice of great tumultuous noise, but it was a still voice of perfect mildness, as if it had been a whisper, and it did pierce even to the very soul. And notwithstanding the mildness of the voice, behold, the earth shook exceedingly, and the walls of the prison trembled again, as if it were about to tumble, and the earth tumbled to the earth, and behold, the cloud of darkness which had overshadowed them did not disperse. And behold, the voice came again, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and seek no more to destroy my servants. And it came to pass that the earth shook again, and the walls trembled. And also again the third time, the voice did come, and it speak unto the marvelous words which cannot be uttered by man. And the walls did tremble again, and the earth shook as if it were about to divide asunder. And it came to pass that the Lamanites could not flee because of the cloud of darkness, which did overshadow them. Yea, and also they were immovable because of the fear which did come upon them. Now there was one among them who was a Nephite by birth, who had once belonged to the church of God, but had dissented from them. And it came to pass that he turned him about and beheld, 
and behold, he saw through the cloud of darkness the faces of Nephi and Lehi, and behold, they did shine exceedingly, even as the faces of angels. And he beheld that they did lift their eyes up to heaven, and they were in the attitude of talking or lifting their voices to some being whom they beheld. And it came to pass that this man did cry unto the multitude that they might turn and look, and behold, they, there was given power unto them that they might turn and look. And they did behold the faces of Nephi and Lehi. And they said unto the man, Behold, what do all these things mean? Who is it with whom these men do converse? Now the man's name was Aminadab. And Aminadab said unto them, They do converse with the angels of God. And it came to pass that the Lamanites said unto him, What shall we do that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us? Now notice the parallel between the 300 at the prison with Nephi and Lehi, and Lehi being delivered from darkness in his vision. And Abinadab said unto them, You must repent and cry unto the voice, even until you shall have faith in Christ, who is taught unto you by Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. And when you shall do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. And it came to pass that they all did begin to cry unto the voice, of him who had shaken the earth, yea, did, they did cry even until the cloud of darkness was dispersed. And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about, they saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them. And behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. Now, there are more parallels here than just being delivered from the cloud of darkness. And Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them, yea, they were encircled about, yea, they were as if in the midst of a flaming fire, yet it had harmed them not, neither did it take hold upon the walls of the prison. And they were filled with that joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. And behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts, and they were filled as if with fire, and they could speak forth marvelous words. So literally, we have a group baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the second pillar in the doctrine of Christ. And it came to pass that there came a voice unto them, yea, a pleasant voice, as if it were a whisper, saying, Peace, peace be unto you, because of your faith in my well-beloved, who was from the foundation of the world. And now when they heard this, they cast their eyes, as if to behold from whence the sound came. And behold, they saw the heavens open, and angels came down out of heaven and ministered unto them. And there were about 300 souls who saw and heard these things, and they were bidden to go forth and marvel not, neither should they doubt. And it came to pass that they did go forth and administer unto the people, declaring throughout all the regions round about all the things which they had heard and seen, insomuch that the more part of the Lamanites were convinced of them because of the greatness of the evidence which they had received. And as many as were convinced did lay down their weapons of war and also their hatred and the traditions of their fathers. And it came to pass that they did yield up unto the Nephites the lands of their possession. So after the 300 Lamanites received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, so great um, a born-again experience did they have. That they were filled with the desire to go forth and to declare what had happened to them. And because of the power with which they spoke, 
They spoke with what Nephi would say was the tongue of angels or by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, uh, nearly the entire Lamanite nation was converted and not just converted to the point of joining a church, but converted to the point that they also received a baptism, a fire baptism of the Holy Ghost as evidenced by the fact that they laid down their weapons of war and they delivered back to the Nephites the lands that they had taken from them. So back to First Nephi chapter 8. Starting again in verse 8. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And it came to pass that after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. And it came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. So notice that both the the method for deliverance from Lehi, from the mist of darkness, and also the Lamanites, was crying out unto Jesus Christ. And it came to pass that I did go forth and did partake of the fruit thereof, and I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I ever before tasted. Yea, I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. So we're getting a highly truncated um, description of Lehi's Tree of Life vision because there were a lot of steps that happened in between the mist of darkness being lifted and Lehi seeing the tree and his actual partaking of the fruit. And we're going to get into exactly what those steps were. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also. For I knew that it was desirable above all other fruit. So another parallel, you know, once Lehi had partaken of the fruit of the tree of life, um, he, like the Lamanites, was also filled with a desire that others might also partake, specifically, you know, those who they cared about the most. Verse 13, and as I cast my eyes round about that perhaps I might discover my family also, I beheld a river of water and it ran along and it was near the tree which I was partaking of the fruit. And I looked to behold from whence it came and I saw the head thereof a little way off. And at the head thereof, I beheld your mother Sariah and Sam and Nephi. And they stood as if they knew not whither they should go. And it came to pass that I beckoned unto them. And I also did say unto them with a loud voice that they should come unto me and partake of the fruit, which was desirable above all of the fruit. And it came to pass that they did come unto me and partake of the fruit also. And it came to pass that I was desirous that Laman and Lemuel should come and partake of the fruit also. Wherefore, I cast my eyes toward the head of the river, that perhaps I might see them. And it came to pass that I saw them, but they would not come unto me and partake of the fruit. And I beheld a rod of iron, and it extended along the bank of the river. 
and led to the tree by which I stood. And I also beheld a straight and narrow path, which came along by the rod of iron, even to the tree by which I stood. And it was also, and it also led by the head of the fountain unto a large and spacious field, as if it had been a world. And I saw numberless concourses of people, many of whom were pressing forward, that they might obtain the path which led into the tree by which I stood. And it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree. And it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. And it came to pass that I beheld others pressing forward, and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, And they did press forward through the midst of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. And I also cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water, a great and spacious building, and it stood as it were in the air, high above the earth. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female, and their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them. And they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. And now I, Nephi, do not speak all the words of my father. But to be short in writing, behold, he saw other multitudes pressing forward, and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron. And they did press their way forward, holding continually fast to the rod of iron, until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. And he also saw other multitudes feeling their way toward that great and spacious building. And it came to pass that many were drowned in the depths of the fountain. And many were lost from his view, wandering in strange roads. And great was the multitude that did enter into that strange building. And after they did enter into that building, they did point the finger of scorn at me and those that were partaking of the fruit also. But we heeded them not. These are the words of my father, for as many as heeded them had fallen away. And Laman and Lemuel partook not of the fruit. And my father said, my father. And it came to pass that after my father had spoken all the words of his dream or vision, which were many, he said unto us because of the things which he saw in a vision, exceedingly feared for Laman and Lemuel. Yea, he feared lest they should be cast off from the presence of the Lord. And he did exhort them then with all of the feeling of a tender parent that they would hearken to his words, that perhaps the Lord would be merciful unto them to and not cast them off. Yea, my father did preach unto them. And after he had preached unto them and also prophesied unto them many things, he bade them to keep the commandments of the Lord and it ceased speaking unto them. So before we get to Nephi's account of also seeing the vision of the tree of life, you know, let's let's skip forward to Second Nephi 
31 and 32, which is the account of Nephi's commentary on the Tree of Life vision. So, in 2 Nephi 31, verse 17, Nephi says, Wherefore do the things which I have told you, I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. So this gate that Nephi is commenting on is the gate through which one must enter to get onto that path where the rod of iron leads to the tree of life to partake of the fruit. And, and so Nephi is telling us that the gate through which we must enter is repentance and baptism by water and the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And once we have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then we are on that straight and narrow path that we can only stay on by holding onto the rod of iron to get to the tree, the tree being Christ. Verse 18, and then, i.e., after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, are ye in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life? So partaking of the fruit is literally um, partaking of eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate. Ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son, and ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son. And receiving the Holy Ghost through the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost, talked about in DNC 76, verse 52. Unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if he entered in by the way, he should receive. So let's cross reference and go to DNC 76, verse 52. And so, verse 51 talks about the other part of the gate, which is baptism by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel or church of Christ. And then verse 52, that by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. So all of these details are left out of the account of Lehi's uh, Tree of Life vision, but are added back to the account by Nephi. Back to 2 Nephi 31. And now, my beloved brethren, after ye have gotten into the straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. So at the end of verse 19, we find that there are actually two paths. And the first path is the path that leads to the gate through which we must pass to get on that straight and narrow path with the rod of iron that leads to the tree. And the path that leads to the gate through which we must pass, which gate is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
the way we navigate that path is with unshaken faith in Christ, relying wholly upon his work. Now, Nephi is going to be defining um, in a few verses exactly what the word of Christ is in this context. <laughs> and while it is true that the words of Christ are contained in Scripture, and they are utterances by true prophets. In this context, the words of Christ are specifically revelation. And specifically the revelation, if we turn to 3 Nephi chapter 9. And in 3 Nephi chapter 9, Christ tells us, you know, how we... Um, lay hold upon the word of Christ with unshaken faith that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and therefore pass through that gate. And 3 Nephi 9, verse 17. And as many as have received me. So this process of receiving Christ is the process of laying hold of the words of Christ with unshaken faith which Christ is about to tell us exactly how we do that. But he says all those who do that, or, in other words, pass through the gate, to them have I given to become the sons of God. Well, how is that? Well, it's because when we pass through that gate, Christ is literally adopting us as his sons and his daughters. And as he adopts us as his sons and his daughters, he literally extends his name to us that we might take it upon us. So while we do, when we're baptized into the LDS church and when we partake of the sacrament in the LDS church, we covenant that we are willing to take Christ's name upon us. That is not when we actually take his name upon us. Um, both of those things are preparatory to Christ pleading our case before the Father and adopting us as his sons and his daughters and actually extending his name to us. And even so will I to as many as shall believe on my name, for behold, by me redemption cometh, and in me is the law of Moses fulfilled. So, you know, Christ is saying the gate is accessible to all who will come unto him, who will receive him as he instructs us to receive him, which instruction is given in verse 20. And in verse 20, it says, And he shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So, you know, this covenant, as all covenants have two parts. Our part is offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit. And this is how Christ instructs us to receive him. And as we offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit, the terms of which must be received by revelation. And that is what it means to, to lay hold upon the words of Christ with unshaken faith. Um, 
because to enter into the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit is to receive the terms of that covenant by the spirit. It's Christ through the spirit that tells us how we individually are to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit. And so back in 2 Nephi 31, so at the end again of verse 19, for ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ. This is offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit is the same as feasting upon the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merit of him who is mighty to save. And, you know, in addition to receiving the terms of that covenant by revelation, Nephi gives us some additional insights into what that looks like. In verse 13 of 2 Nephi 31, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart. So this is part of what it means to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit and put ourselves in a position whereby we might be capable of relying wholly upon the words of Christ with unshaken faith in him. Follow Jesus Christ with full purpose of heart. And it requires revelation to be able to do that. Acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God. And especially for Nephi and the people who came before Jesus Christ. Well, they didn't have the New Testament. It hadn't happened yet. They didn't have the example of what Christ would do. And they didn't have the teachings that he would give in the New Testament. They didn't have the account of the day of Pentecost. So literally, following Jesus Christ with full purpose of heart required revelation. Acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God. So as as we offer up our whole souls to Christ, as we tell Father that we desire to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, we can't only say it with our lips but we have to be committed with our heart and with our actions. And this is what it means to follow Jesus Christ um, with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God. For it is often easy to say the words, but it is quite another matter to live it with our heart and with our actions but with real intent, repenting of your sins. Now, all of these things are things that are required before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And these things are some of the reasons why we do not receive it when we're eight years old or when we're very young. We simply don't have enough life experience. And, you know, before we're eight years old, we don't have any sins. We haven't been accountable. Receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, actually takes life experience. It actually requires having made mistakes, realizing that we've made mistakes, and repenting, and accessing the 
power of the atonement and receiving forgiveness. And, and then choosing that way of life, choosing the path of discipleship, because we know both sides. And knowing both sides, um, having chosen the path of Jesus Christ. Witnessing unto the Father that you're willing to take upon you the name of Christ, okay, by baptism. So again, as we are baptized, as we partake the sacrament, uh, we show Father that we're willing to take upon us Christ's name. However, that is not something that Christ yet extends to us until we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. By following your Lord and your Savior down into the water according to his word. Um, again, when Nephi wrote these words, when he saw these things, Christ hadn't yet gone down into the water and had been baptized by John the Baptist. So again, these things you know, had to be received by revelation. Behold, then shall you receive the Holy Ghost. Yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. So, if we cross-reference this with Mosiah chapter 5. In Mosiah chapter 5, we have the culmination of... King Benjamin's people entering into the new and everlasting covenant and receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 2 of Mosiah chapter 5. And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us. And also we know of their surety and truth because of the spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. And we ourselves also, through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his spirit, have great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. Or in other words, as Nephi declared that they could speak forth with the tongue of angels or by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 5 in Mosiah 5. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do his will and to be obedient to his commandments in all things, that he shall command us all the remainder of our days, that we may not bring upon ourselves a never-ending torment, as has been spoken by the angel, that we might not drink of the cup of the wrath of God. So this is also part of that covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that we are willing to, not only to say, but also to do whatever the Lord would ask us to do, uh, not only for a period of time, but until the end of our lives. And so... You know, the mainstay of this being willing to do whatever the Lord would ask us to do is through revelation. And so 
that assumes that you are willing to live your life in a manner that you will qualify to receive revelation, that you will have your ears open to hear the word and voice of God and your hearts to understand the word and voice of God. Otherwise, you're incapable of obeying all of his commandments. And verse 7, And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. So because the people of King Benjamin were willing to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart, contrite spirit, and all that goes along with that, they received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and at that time, Christ extended his name to them as he pled their case with the Father. And once he had permission from the Father to adopt them as his sons and his daughters, he then extended his name to them. And for the first time, they were not only able or willing to take Christ's name upon them, but they were actually able to take Christ's name upon them. For behold, this day he has spiritually begotten you, for ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him, ye have become his sons and his daughters. And under this head ye are made free, and there is no other head whereby ye can be made free. There is no other name given whereby salvation cometh. Therefore I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ, because it's been extended now to them. All you that have entered into the covenant with God, that you should be obedient unto the end of your lives. And it shall come to pass that whosoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God, and he shall know the name by which he is called, for he shall be called by the name of Christ. And now it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not take upon him the name of Christ must be called by some other name. Therefore, he findeth himself on the left hand of God. And I would that ye should remember also that this is the name that I said I should give unto you that never should be blotted out except it be through transgression. Therefore, take heed that ye do not transgress, that the name be not blotted out of your hearts. I say unto you, I would that ye should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts. And this is a key to, you know, what we do after we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which Nephi is going to be posing that question at the first of second Nephi 32. And so this is insight into the answer to that question. Well, then what? And I say unto you, I would that you should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts, that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye Hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called, also the name by which he shall call you. See, this being able to hear and discern the voice of the Spirit is critical and necessary to how we feast upon the words of Christ and how we are able to keep all of God's commandments. It has to come through revelation. And if we don't have that revelation, um, we are not able to feast upon the words of Christ and to do everything that he would instruct us to do.
Verse 13, for how knoweth a man the master whom he has not served, and who is a stranger unto him, and is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? And again doth a man take an ass which belongeth to his neighbor, and keep him? I say unto you, nay, he will not even suffer that he shall feed among his flocks, but he will drive him away and cast him out. And I say unto you, that even so it shall be among you, if ye know not the name by which ye are called. Therefore I would that ye should be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ the Lord God omnipotent may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, that ye may have everlasting salvation and eternal life, through the wisdom and power and justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. Amen. So, going back to 2 Nephi 31, um, now we have a greater understanding about, you know, how to enter into this covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and what we should do after. Verse 20. Of Second Nephi 31. Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without and amen. So there is no way to come unto Jesus Christ. There is no way to come unto the Father except through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit being instructed by the voice of the Spirit and being obedient that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus pass through that gate to get on the path which leads to the tree and partake of that fruit. This is the doctrine of Christ, and there is no other way. You know, many often pose the question, well, you know, I've, I'm very comfortable. You know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. You know, I read the Book of Mormon. I, I do my... Uh, home and visiting teaching, you know, and etc. Um, you know, I, I serve in the church. I'm very comfortable. Why would I put myself out there and have to put everything upon the altar? You know, I have my temple recommend. I've, I've been sealed in the temple. Basically, I have my e-ticket to the celestial kingdom. Um, why would I want to put in any extra work? And the answer to that is, if you believe that all of those things give you an e-ticket to celestial kingdom, you are deceived. If you think that those things will get you into the millennium, having the further light and knowledge available to us in the Book of Mormon, you are deceived. The only way back to Jesus Christ and to the Father, especially among the Latter-day Saints, if we want to make it into the millennium, we have to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. We have to actively be seeking after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and doing 
whatever the spirit tells us to do to the best of our ability, or we don't make it. Now, when we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is up to Father. And all we can do and what God expects of us is entering into the new covenant. And if we do that, and if we're being obedient to the voice of the Spirit, that's our part. Um, now, we will... So Second Nephi, chapter 32. And now behold, my beloved brethren, I suppose that ye ponder somewhat in your hearts concerning that which ye should do after ye have entered in by the way. But behold, why do ye ponder these things in your hearts? Or in other words, you know, Nephi is perceiving that his people are wondering, well, what do we do after we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost? Or what do we do after we enter into the gate and get on that straight and narrow path? And, you know, we know that the path goes to the tree, who is Christ. And we know that there is an iron rod, but we're not sure about what that really means. Um, how exactly we hold on to that iron rod. You know, how we move forward to the tree. You know, what, what is this process? And th this whole process is the doctrine of Christ. Verse 2. Do you not remember that I said unto you that after you had received the Holy Ghost, you could speak with the tongue of angels? Now, how could you speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? Now, pay careful attention to what is said in verse 3. Because Nephi is about to define, in this context, what the words of Christ are. Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. So he's just told us that angels speak the words of Christ because they speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Or in other words, the words of Christ are received by the Holy Ghost. And this level... Um, of receiving the words of Christ is possible after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't receive revelation or the words of Christ before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because, again, back in 2 Nephi 31, verse 19, Behold, I say unto you, ye have not come thus far, meaning, having received the baptism of fire by the, and the Holy Ghost, save it were by the word of Christ. So, the exact same thing that we're to do after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, to get to Christ, or the tree, is the thing that we're supposed to do before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, to get the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, but there is a difference in instruction, because before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have access to the level of revelation and instruction about how to get to the gate or about what God would have us do to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we then have access to that level of revelation or instruction about what God would have us do to get to the tree, or to come into Christ's presence in his glory, and to be taught directly by him. 
back at the end of verse 19 in 2 Nephi 31. You have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty saved. Well, that's exactly what we have to do after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. The difference being that we have access to different a different level of revelation afterward. Verse 3 in 2 Nephi 32. And angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, whereby wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I say unto you, feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. So, as you seek after, receive, and act on revelation, or overcome by faith after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, you'll be instructed about everything that you should do in order to come to the veil, part it, come into Christ's presence and the fullness of his glory in the seventh heaven, and receive your calling and election made sure. Verse 4. Wherefore, now after I have spoken these words, if ye cannot understand them, it will be because you ask not, neither do ye not. Wherefore ye are not brought into the light, but must perish in the dark. For behold, again I say unto you, that if ye will enter in by the way, and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show unto you all things what ye should do. Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ. And there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you shall ye observe to do. Or in other words, the doctrine of Christ leads us into Christ's presence. While we are in the flesh, while we are in, the, in this life, it's not reserved for the next life. It's this life. And the way that happens is through the instruction we receive from the Spirit as we feast upon the words of Christ after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then we're told, that Christ himself will teach us. And those things that Christ himself will teach us in person, um, we also need to be obedient to those things, to continue on the path of ascension. So with this insight, now let's take a look at Nephi's record of what he saw when he was shown uh, Lehi's Tree of Life vision. So in 1 Nephi chapter 11. And let's, uh, let's look at the end of 1 Nephi chapter 10, because it's really instructive about um, some of the last things that Nephi did after he had received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, to be instructed about how to enter Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory and have his own ascension experience, as Nephi talks about in 2 Nephi 32, verse 9. So First Nephi 10, verse 17. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. So, now let's unpack the first part of verse 17. 
So Nephi, having heard the words of his father concerning the things which he saw in vision, um, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost. So his father Lehi learned things of God, both through vision and through revelation via the Holy Ghost. Um, and he says he received this power by faith on the Son of God. Well, this power that he received by faith on the Son of God is the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. It was Lehi receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, he was able to speak with the tongue of angels or by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And because he spoke by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, when Nephi listened to him and hearkened unto him, Nephi was not relying upon the arm of flesh or upon man, which we which Nephi gives us a strict prohibition against. If we cross-reference 2 Nephi 28, verse 31, Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So the difference being... A man who speaks not by the power and not by the authority of the Holy Ghost um, to hearken unto his words as if they were God's, uh, to accept his words as doctrine. Um, we become cursed when we do that. And that is what it means to trust in man or make a flesh our arm and hearken unto the precepts of men. That is a very different matter than receiving with gladness all the words that are spoken by one who does speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, which is what Lehi did, which is why Nephi received his words with gladness. And God expects us to gather up all the words that are available to us whether written or spoken by an individual, which are delivered by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. So therefore, continuing in verse 17, I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him. So Nephi has also already received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. As well in times of old as in times that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost. As well in these times as in times of old, as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Therefore remember, O man, for all thy doings, that thou shalt be brought into judgment. And it needs to be impressed mightily upon us 
because we have access to the scriptures of the restoration, which contain the fullness of the doctrine of Christ, we are held accountable for knowing them and for entering into this covenant and seeking after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and being obedient to whatever the Spirit would tell us to do that we might receive it. And then after we do receive it, to be instructed about what God would have us do to enter into Christ's presence and the fullness of his glory, that we might have our calling election made sure and be taught directly by him, that we might continue the path of ascension that ultimately leads us to becoming like Jesus Christ and Father. First Nephi chapter 11, verse 1. For it came to pass that after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, um, which belief is actually what hope is. As I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord. Yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, which I never had before seen upon which I never had before set my foot. Now, this exceedingly high mountain is not an earthly mountain. This is the heavenly mountain. This is the seventh heaven. This is the place where Christ dwells in the fullness of his glory. Now, as a cross-reference, let's go to Moses chapter 1. And in Moses chapter 1, Moses also tells us, about his ascension experience. And he also uses the metaphor being caught away into the high mountain. And we will gain some valuable insight from Moses about Nephi's experience. Moses chapter 1 verse 1, the words of God which he spake unto Moses at a time when Moses was caught up unto an exceedingly high mountain, the heavenly mountain or seventh heaven. And he saw God face to face, and he talked with him. And the glory of God was upon Moses, therefore Moses could endure his presence. Or in other words, just like Nephi, Moses has already had his baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. He has a brand new baptism of fire, and then he is transfigured, or the glory of God comes upon him. Therefore, he is now able to go up to the seventh heaven or high mountain. He's able to come into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. Flipping the page, Moses 1, verse 9. And the presence of God withdrew from Moses, that his glory was not upon Moses, and Moses was left unto himself. And as he was left unto himself, he fell unto the earth. So once the transfiguration ended, Moses couldn't stay in Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, and he fell back to the earth. Question is, what aspect of Moses fell back to the earth? And he's about to tell us. Verse 10, and it came to pass that it was for the space of many hours before Moses did again receive his natural strength, like unto man. And he said unto himself, now for this cause I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. So we know that this is Moses' first ascension experience, because once he comes into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, he recognizes, as never before, the awful gulf that separates us from being like Jesus Christ. And how desperate 
we need the power of Christ's atonement and for Christ to extend his hand to us and to lift us up to where he is. Or there's no other way. And viewing this comparison between where he was and where Christ is made him realize that he was nothing in comparison to who Christ is. And Christ had not yet worked out his atonement. Verse 11. Mine own eyes have beheld God, but not my natural, but my spiritual eyes. For my natural eyes could not have beheld, for I should have withered and died in his presence. But his glory was upon me, and I beheld his face, for I was transfigured before him. Or in other words, Moses is saying, well, I, I couldn't take my physical body into the fullness of Christ's presence. I'm not translated. However, I was transfigured, and therefore my spirit was able to be taken up to the high mountain or the seventh heaven. And I was able to see God face to face and talk to him as one man talketh to another. And I was able to do it because my spirit was taken there after I was transfigured. And we, in like measure, as we follow the covenant path and the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of Christ is designed to give us the exact same experience that Moses had, the exact same experience that Nephi is having of coming into Christ's presence of the fullness of his glory. And the doctrine of Christ is the roadmap about how we do that. So Nephi has done the same thing that Moses did before him. after receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, which terms they received by revelation, they were instructed about how to part the veil and ascend to the seventh heaven or the high mountain. And the spirit said unto me, 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 2, Behold, what desirest thou? And I said, I desire to behold the things which my father saw. And the spirit said unto me, believest thou that thy father saw the tree of which he hath spoken? And I said, yea, thou knowest that I believe all the words of my father. So the spirit of the Lord wanted to know that Nephi accepted the words of his father because his father spoke by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 6, and when I had spoken these words, the spirit cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna, which means, oh God, save us now. Hosanna to the Lord, the most high God, for he is God over all the earth, yea, even above all. And blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the most high God. Wherefore thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. So a lot of people um, say, well, 
know, I expect, you know, if I ask to have the same vision and experience that Nephi had. And I would say, well, that's exactly correct. As soon as you have ascended to the spiritual level that Nephi has ascended to, you will be permitted to have the exact same experience if that's what you desire. Um, but until that happens, until you ascend to that spiritual level that Nephi was at and Moses was at when they went to the high mountain, if you're not there yet, you still have access to the spirit and you can still have an experience in the spirit that is um, equal to the spiritual level that you are now at. So, if you haven't yet had your baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are not going to have an ascension experience. Um, if you have, and you haven't been instructed and been obedient in everything that you must do to part the veil and ascend up to the seventh heaven, you're not going to have this experience yet. But regardless of the spiritual level that you're at, you can get a confirmation of the spirit that these things are true. You can have the spirit bring thoughts and ideas into your mind and into your heart that will expand about what you individually need to do to get to the gate and have the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then to be instructed about what you need to do to go to the high mountain. You know, we do have access to those things. And, you know, some people have the spiritual gift of dreams and visions. Well, um, you may be at the spiritual level where you can receive a prophetic or revelatory dream. You know, about these things, which is what Lehi received, which is different than the ascension experience that Nephi is having. Um, so let's continue in First Nephi chapter 11. First Nephi 11, verse 24. And after he had said these things, these words, he said unto me, look. And I looked and I beheld the Son of God going forth among the children of men. And I saw many fall down at his feet and worship him. And it came to pass that I beheld that the rod of iron, which my father had seen, was the word of God. And like we just talked about, while the word of God is uh, words of scripture. It is words of true prophets. That's not what's being talked about in this context, and that's not what the rod of iron is. The rod of iron in this context is revelation received by the individual, which led to the fountain of living waters or to the tree of life. Now, I would ask you, who is the fountain of living water. And who is the tree of life? Um, 
while there are many who would assert that the fountain of living waters or the tree of life is someone other than Jesus Christ. No one other than Jesus Christ worked out an atonement for us. No one other than Jesus Christ pleads our case with the Father, literally adopting us as his sons and daughters that he might tutor us in what must be done to part the veil and enter into his presence, that he might seal upon us our calling and election. Nobody else can do that. Continuing in verse 25, which waters are a representation of the love of God. And I also beheld that the tree of life was a representation of the love of God. And the angel said unto me again, look and behold the condescension of God. And I looked and I beheld the redeemer of the world. Of whom my father had spoken. And I also beheld the prophet. So notice, as soon as Nephi is shown the rod of iron, which is the process of revelation that we have access to after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then he sees the tree of life, which is the same thing as the fountain of living waters. And he metaphorically describes it as the love of God. Immediately, what is he shown afterwards? which is now an expansion of Nephi's understanding of the fountain um, of living waters and the tree of life. Immediately, he is shown the condescension of God the Son versus what he was shown uh, as the condescension in verse 16 of God the Father as Jesus Christ was being conceived with his mother Mary. You know, that was the first condescension of God that Nephi was shown. The second condescension is um, now that Christ has been sired, um, he is able to begin and complete his mission. And I looked, verse 27, and beheld the Redeemer of the world, of whom my father had spoken. And I also beheld the prophet, who should prepare the way before him. And the Lamb of God went forth and was baptized of him. And after he was baptized, they beheld the heavens open, and the Holy Ghost came down out of heaven and abide upon him in the form of a dove. So, again, what we're seeing is very metaphorical. Um, so, and we have, it's, it's all a representation of the doctrine of Christ. So, you know, Christ is our example, which Nephi declares in 2 Nephi 31, of what we must do. Christ received baptism by water into the terrestrial order. 
Now, just because John the Baptist administers over the Aaronic priesthood, that does not mean that that was all the priesthood that he held. John the Baptist held Melchizedek priesthood. And by the power of Melchizedek priesthood, John the Baptist baptized Christ by water, not into the preparatory gospel, which is what is done by the authority of the Aaronic priesthood, but into the terrestrial order. And then the man who officiates or officiated in the office of Holy Ghost came down and he personally performed the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost for Christ. And that is what is meant by. And after he was baptized, I beheld the heavens open and the Holy Ghost came down out of heaven and abide upon him in the form of a dove. Or the man who officiated in this office came down and performed the ordinance. Verse 28. And I beheld that he went forth ministering unto the people in power and great authority. And the multitudes were gathered together to hear him. And I beheld that they cast him out from among them. And I also beheld 12 others following him. And it came to pass that they were carried away in the spirit from before my face, and I saw them not. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, saying, Look, and I looked, and I beheld the heavens open again. And I saw angels descending upon the children of men, and they did minister unto them. And he spake unto me again, saying, Look, and I looked, and I beheld the Lamb of God going forth among the children of men. And I beheld multitudes of people who were sick, who were afflicted with all manner of disease and with devils and unclean spirits. And the angel spake and showed all these things unto me. And they were healed by the power of the Lamb of God. And the devils and unclean spirits were cast out. Verse 32. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, saying, Look, and I looked, and I beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people. Yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. And I saw and bear record. And I Nephi saw that he was lifted up upon the cross and was slain for the sins of the world. And after he was slain, I saw the multitudes of the earth, that they were gathered together to fight against the apostles of the Lamb. For thus were the twelve called by the angel of the Lord. And the multitude of the earth was gathered together. And I beheld that they were in a large and spacious building, like unto the building which my father saw. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Behold the world and the wisdom thereof. Yea, behold, the house of Israel hath gathered together to fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So Nephi is seeing that the twelve tribes of Israel, who will not enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they may have Christ extend his name to them, that they might take it upon them. They are the ones who are gathered into the great and spacious building. Now, this has great parallels for us today. And notice that it was the house of Israel that gathered together to fight against the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record that the great and spacious building was the pride of the world and it fell and the fall thereof was exceedingly great. 
And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Thus shall the destruction of all nations, kindred tongues, and peoples uh, that shall fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Well, let's let's cross-reference that with the destruction of the great and spacious building that is about to take place. So in DNC 101, in the parable of redemption of Zion, Verse 55, and the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, whose name is Joseph Smith Jr., is revealed in DNC 103, go and gather together the residue of my servants. Now, this is Joseph Smith in his second ministry, not his first. And he is now in that second ministry. Go and gather together the residue of my servants, or all those who the Lord called my apostles and my friends during Joseph Smith's first ministry and also called the first labors in the last kingdom. Now it's the residue because um, only those who remain true and faithful or who are prodigal sons and repented and returned are those who have returned with Joseph Smith in this his second ministry. Not all of them made it. And take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle age also among all my servants, who are the strength of mine house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry, i.e. those who are translated, three Nephites, John the Revelator. And go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard, and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine I have bought with money. Therefore get ye straightway unto the land. Break down the walls of mine enemies. This is the toppling of the great and spacious building, at least in one aspect of it, that is shortly going to happen, that we will be witnesses of. And it is our choice either to be among those who will participate in its toppling, or it is our choice to be inside that great and spacious building and persecute and ridicule the humble followers of Christ. Break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. Verse 64. That the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue, that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people, according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and to be crowned with celestial glory, when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according to as his work shall be. Now, the wheat in this context is the wheat among the Latter-day Saints. And we can expand that among all the restoration movements. And the terrors are those among the restoration movements who will not enter into the new covenant. While the terrors shall be bound in bundles and their bands be made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. So let me read again 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 36. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record that the great and spacious building was the pride of the world. 
And if we hearken back to the prior verse, yea, behold the house of Israel, which has been caught up in the pride of the world and gathered to fight against the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And it fell, and the fall thereof was exceedingly great. Well, this is the burning of the terrors among the Latter-day Saints. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Thus shall all the destruction, or thus shall be the destruction of all nations, kindred tongues, and peoples that shall fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So, as we read in the Doctrine and Covenants, the cleansing begins in the Lord's own house. So while this destruction of all those who fight against the Lamb uh, is not or does not only include those among the Latter-day Saints um, who will not enter into the New Covenant, that's where the destruction of the Great and Spacious Building begins. That is the cleansing beginning in the Lord's own house and the destruction of the terrors. Um, so um, we'll let that put a book in on tonight's discussion of the doctrine of Christ um, which again comprises of three main pillars the first pillar is baptism of water into the terrestrial order of the gospel um, which was performed in the church as restored to Joseph Smith um, until about mid-1834 when the fullness is taken from us and we're demoted to the preparatory gospel, as we've talked about previously. Um, and after that, we began doing baptisms by water into the celestial order or preparatory gospel which is what we're currently receiving today when we receive baptism into the church. Um, but the doctrine of Christ, the, the baptism that Christ received, which is what we must also receive, is you know baptism by the apostolic order of the Melchizedek priesthood into the terrestrial order of the gospel, which is what Nephi receives in 3 Nephi chapter 11 when Christ comes and he gives him authority in the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood and a command to go forth and to baptize with water into the terrestrial order. And that was, and then he sets forth the baptismal prayer into the terrestrial order, which was the exact baptismal prayer that we used in the church of Christ. And as was recorded in the book of uh, commandments that we had up until 1835, when the doctrine and covenants was published and the baptismal prayer was changed to that of a preparatory baptism. The second pillar in the doctrine of Christ is baptism by fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which comes through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, which covenant must be received by revelation. After the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then if we will continue to feast upon the words of Christ and receive revelation, will be instructed about what the Lord would have us do to part the veil and ascend to the high mountain, come into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. 
feel the prints of the nails and receive our calling and election made sure. And then to be taught and instructed by Jesus Christ and specifically about how to continue on the path of ascension, which is further outlined in DNC 76, starting in verse 50. And I bear my witness to you that these things are true, that there is no other way that leads back to Jesus Christ and to Father than through the doctrine of Christ, and that the heavens are again opened, and it is again possible to enter in by the way to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord, which it hadn't been since the death of Joseph, since the closing of the heavens, because we as a people rejected our God. And how did we reject our God the same way that the children of Israel rejected their God? They rejected their opportunity to become his sons and his daughters through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Lord warned us in DNC 84 that if we did that and persisted and did not repent and return, that there would remain a scourge and a judgment that would be poured out upon us that would last generations. And it did. It lasted until the return of Joseph. He hasn't come on the scene yet. However, he is back. And he has gathered together the servants that we read about in DNC 101, verse 55. And he's currently working on the translation of the seal portion of the Book of Mormon, the brass plates, finishing his translation of the New Testament, and also bringing forth the record of the 12 apostles. All of these, except for the seal portion of the Book of Mormon, will go forth to the members of the Church of Christ and will be able to be used in the missionary efforts that will begin as Joseph leads out that end-time exodus talked about in DNC 103 that will culminate in meeting up with Enoch and his city and the establishment of New Jerusalem. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now,